1: If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Well, here we are in the last third of the month of October. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you here for this hour of Spiritual Direction. The Inner Life, our program here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And speaking of the Relevant Radio app, and as well, along with that, our website, RelevantRadio.com, if you haven't heard of this, uh, coming up at the beginning of November, first of all, we celebrate All Saints Day on November 1st, and then on November 2nd, it's All Souls Day. And we're going to be praying a novena for any of our departed loved ones. And we're going to be praying for them during the Mass at noon Central during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy with Drew Mariani at 3 o'clock Central in the afternoon, and then with Father Rocky on the Family Rosary across America at 7 p.m. Central. And so starting November 2nd, going through November 10th, those nine days, we'll be praying that novena. And you can have anybody that you would like remembered in those times of prayer. You can give us their names and we'll include them for all of the names that we're praying for. And you can do that by going directly to our website, relevantradio.com and there's a banner there that you'll see. You can click, and there's no limit to the number of names that you can uh, send through to have prayed for during this novena. You can also do that on the Relevant Radio app. So again, RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and you'll see the button there or the banner where you can click on it, and you can go ahead and enter those names. And uh, again, I hope you'll join us as we pray together for all the souls of our departed loved ones starting November 2nd, again, at Mass. Noon Central, Chaplet of Divine Mercy, 3 p.m. Central, and the Family Rosary across America at 7 p.m. Central. So today, as we begin our program, uh, do you have a hidden talent, something that you can do that not many people know about, or maybe you have that creative or artistic side, and it allows you to be expressive, allows you to just have that enjoyable time, but most people never see that side of you? There are many, many people throughout history or different political figures, You know, people that you and I know, we usually associate them with only one thing, but they have those lesser-known talents because, just like you and me, they're complex individuals, and they did all kinds of other things in their life besides maybe that one thing that put them in the spotlight that we know them for. For instance, Paul Revere. If you hear his name, you think of... Probably the American patriot, no, best known for his midnight ride, and uh, calling out, telling the American colonists that the British are coming. Uh, even if he didn't say it in those words, there's a lot of historical debate about what he actually said on his ride. But along with that, he was apparently very quite skilled in early dentistry. You know, I, the, the uh, <laughs> medically, we've grown by leaps and bounds since that time, but... He was so skilled that, in fact, he invented forensic dentistry, where you use the teeth as a means of identifying a body, something you might not have known of about Paul Revere. How about, do you remember the name of the Secretary of State that served during George W. Bush's administration? She was a woman seen as very intelligent, very driven in that world of politics, Condoleezza Rice. Did you know that she trained to be a concert pianist? At only 15 years old, she performed a concert of Mozart with the Denver Symphony Orchestra. She's played the piano for all kinds of different public performances and concerts, including in front of Queen Elizabeth. And she also accompanied the famous cellist Yo-Yo Ma at a concert at, Constitutional Hall, uh, at Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C., How about this one? If I talk about organized crime in the Chicago area, a famous mob boss, along with bootlegging during the Prohibition and maybe not paying your taxes, do you know who that is? It's Al Capone, probably well known to all of us. And while, he, you know, those are the things that we think of that led to his capture, his imprisonment, he also had been raised listening to opera and jazz music. So when he eventually went away to prison, he turned to music to pass the time. And while he was in Alcatraz, Al Capone composed all kinds of different show tunes and ballads. Most of them were actually love songs, believe it or not, presumably written for his wife. Now, if I start talking about a genius in the realm of math and science and physics, and I mentioned the theory of special relativity, along with that famous part of his equation that we all can quote, E equals MC squared. I don't even have to say his name. You're already thinking of Albert Einstein. You might not know that Einstein actually began playing the violin at the age of six, though, and he started playing violin sonatas by Mozart in his early teen years. And as an adult, he even hosted a weekly Wednesday night chamber music session in his Princeton home, And just a few years ago, in 2018, Einstein's violin sold at an auction for over half a million dollars. How about this one? A military general, head of state, considered to be the greatest king in the history of his country, and even with all the responsibilities, all of the obligations that take up so much time of being a king, he wrote numerous songs and pieces of poetry along with being an accomplished musician. Now, on this one, I'm speaking about King David, the second king of Israel, who wrote many of the psalms that we have in the Bible. And even so many thousands of years after King David lived, we still use those psalms daily. Every time you go to Mass, we respond to one of the psalms during the Liturgy of the Word. In fact, the Catechism of the Catholic Church calls the psalms the masterwork of prayer in the Old Testament— And it says that they are, quote, an essential and permanent element of the prayer of the church, and it calls them suitable for people of every condition and time. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual life, the Psalms, they are something that can help you pray, and they teach us how to pray. And that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life, how we can pray with the Psalms. Maybe one of those great resources that's sitting there in your Bible and it might be untapped for you. And joining us today is our spiritual director as we look at praying with the Psalms. Father Matthew Spencer is back with us once again. He's a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph. He's the provincial superior and the shrine director for the Oblates of St. Joseph based out of Santa Cruz, California. Uh, Father Matthew, I'm so glad to have you back here on the program today as uh, we look at the Psalms and uh, try and understand them a little better.
2: Thanks, Josh. It's a real it's a real pleasure for me to join you. What a what a great topic because we all need to know how to pray better and and the psalms are an excellent place to start or or continue for that
0: matter. Well, and maybe before we go into how we pray with them, maybe we can get a little bit of history on the Psalms. I already mentioned that Uh, Many of them were written by David. There's other ones, Solomon composed some of them. There's another name that'll show up, Asaph, that is associated with some. And if we open up our Bible, there's 150 total Psalms. They're divided into five different books. So that, you know, we can see that initially when we open up and look at the Psalter there in our Bibles. What other background is helpful for us to know as we approach the Psalms? Well, I think,
2: first of all, to remember that the, the book of the Psalms and the collection of, of the Psalms that, that we find in sacred scripture, uh, is, is it's a hymnal, right? I mean, it's a collection of, of hymns that are used in a variety of different situations. So, for example... Next time you go into church, look at the hymnal inside of the pew right in front of you and you'll see that there are some songs for Advent, there are some songs for Easter, some songs for Marian feasts, etc. And the same is true with the Psalms. Uh, it's a collection of of a lot of different types of, of of hymns, and some of them are for grieving, some of them are for celebrations, some of them are for supplication, and some of them are for um, for praising God and giving Him adoration. So it's a compilation that was that was compiled um, somewhere, uh, you know, five centuries and, and beyond before Christ walked the earth. Um, so during the Babylonian exile, after the Babylonian exile, we have these Psalms that were composed as you, as you mentioned, Josh, by a variety of different authors. And then over time, People realize, well, this psalm is really good and really speaks to me, and and of course, over time, we'd also acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in in bringing them together. So, the history of it, we don't know precisely who compiled everything. We don't know the whole the whole path of how we, we ended up with the psalms that we do, but we do know that uh, in general, many of them come from centuries prior to to Christ's life on earth. And they they uh, they represent a variety of different situations in which the the holy people of God found themselves
0: and so the I, I mentioned the Catechism talks about it as being yeah. an essential and permanent element of the prayer of the church uh, with so much of what we believe as Christians after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we look so much to the New Testament, not that it negates or, you know, does away with the Old Testament, rather, you know, we even have Jesus himself saying, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So we have this fulfillment, um, but the Psalms being that kind of eternal, uh, essential, permanent element of the prayer of the church seems to maybe stand above some of the other aspects of what we see in the Old Testament, things that we are no longer bound to, that don't hold the same sort of relevance for us. You know, we don't have the Levitical laws that we have to follow in the same way anymore. We don't have the dietary laws. We don't have some of these things that are uh, required of us. It, it, so why, why are the Psalms so crucial from the standpoint of the Church?
2: Well, I would say the first reason, Josh, is because Jesus used them in his prayer, right? So although Jesus did teach us how to pray, obviously we get the Our Father, uh, this uh, hallowed you know prayer that we use as Christians daily, even many times during the day. Uh, so Jesus did teach us new forms of prayer in, in that sense, but he also used the Psalms himself. I mean, it was him on the cross quoting the psalmist uh, as he's as he's preparing to go to the Father, so for me the 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 first and and most important reason why you and I continue to pray the Psalms and why it holds such a such a revered uh, position in the life of prayer of of the Christian is because Jesus himself thought it was or 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 used it as as an important means of communication with the Father. Um, so that's, that's really, if, if it was good enough for Jesus, boy, it's good enough for me, you right, know, and right. it should be good enough for, for the church. But I think building on top of that, th- there's something incredible about the Psalms, Josh, that I really, I really didn't grasp until I, until I started to uh, enter formation for the priesthood when I was formed a little more in the Psalms. And it's this. When we pray, a lot of times we pray just what comes from us, right? So I'm sad, so I'm going to I'm going to have a prayer that's kind of asking God for for more joy. Or I'm elated about something in my life, so I'm going to have a prayer of thanksgiving to God. And this there's nothing wrong with that, of course, right? This this prayer comes from our hearts and we we offer that to the Lord. The Psalms provide a different lens for us to pray. When when we open up the psalms or when we when we're at mass and we hear the psalms proclaimed and we we participate in the responsorial psalm, we are praying on behalf of somebody else. We are praying on behalf of all of those who are grieving. We're praying on behalf of all of those who are praising God. We're we're uniting ourselves to the church at large and to a much much bigger experience of prayer. Than, than we could on our own. And this is, to me, a, such an important reason why we pray the Psalms, Josh, because it it's not just about Father Matthew and, and God and my relationship with him, but rather it unites me to the prayer of the church and, and kind of gets me out of myself, right? It gets me out of my own perspective and allows me to enter into another perspective and to pray on behalf of others.
0: As you're saying that, it kind of makes me think of you know if we're involved in prayer already that means that out of the two greatest commandments that Jesus kind of identified for us summing up the law and the prophets love god with all your heart soul strength and mind that prayer means we're 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 attempting to do that we're striving for that in our lives but as you're talking about praying the psalms it seems that that really allows us in our prayer to incorporate that second part, to love our neighbor as ourself.
2: Yeah, that, I think that's a good observation, Josh, one I, one I never really thought about. When we pray the Psalms, we're certainly uh, uniting ourselves to God and, and expressing our love for Him and our commitment to Him. But on the other hand, we're not separating that out from our love for neighbor. so we're also praying for others. It kind of The prayer of the Psalms unites those two commandments in a, in a very unique way.
0: What do you think I'm missing out on if, I don't, if I'm not incorporating the Psalms into my regular prayer life?
2: Well, I mean, we, we, we have to be familiar with Scripture, right? I mean, St. Jerome, of course, famously said, uh, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Right. And, and if we're not uh, getting to know the Psalms and the prayers that Jesus and our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph would pray together and also in uh, the synagogue... Um, well then we're we're missing out on on knowing certain aspects of christ so um we can't we can't obviously uh be uh, complete, complete experts on the whole of Scripture. I mean, nobody was. We had people who, I guess, I shouldn't say nobody was. We had great Scripture scholars throughout all of time. But the the, the depth of Scripture is unfathomable, right? Nobody's right. going to. There's always going to be something
0: it. more that you can you can go in there and find as exactly. much as you know it.
2: Sure. Exactly. Yeah, but the Psalms give us a, a very a very uh, important reference point to understand all the rest of of Scripture. So by knowing the Psalms, by praying the Psalms, then we can see, well, how King David prayed. We can see how the, the, the congregation prayed in the temple. We can see how the Holy Family prayed, and we can unite ourselves to that as well.
0: Our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, the Provincial Superior and Shrine Director for the Oblates of St. Joseph in Santa Cruz, California. And today we're talking about understanding the Psalms and praying with the Psalms. And how have you incorporated the Psalms into your prayer life? And maybe what's your favorite Psalm and why? Why does it speak to you? Is there a Psalm that brings you peace? When life is difficult or when things are good, you turn to one of the Psalms and it expresses the joy that you have, and you're able to bring that before God. Our studio line, open for your call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-914-9 our email address, relevantradio.com. And Father, you've made mention of uh, the Mass as well, so let's talk about the Psalms and praying the Psalms during Mass. Also, let's talk about the Liturgy of the Hours coming up next here, right after this, on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, a priest with the Oblates of St. Joseph, today talking about praying with the psalms. And is that something that you've done in your life? How have you incorporated praying with the psalms in your prayer? And maybe you have a favorite psalm, one that really has spoken to you, one that has meant a lot to you, especially if you went through a difficult time and it was one that you could turn to and pray along with and Maybe it brings you peace when you're going through difficulty, or uh, there was a time where you had sorrow, and you were able to unite yourself with that psalm and with so many other people out there praying along and say, this is the sadness that I'm going through right now. But always knowing God is good. God will take care of us. He'll answer. He'll provide in His way and in His time. How have you experienced that in your life? 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Matthew uh, mentioned before the break, wanted to talk about Mass. Every time that we go to Mass, we have a psalm or at least a portion of one of the psalms that we pray through during the Liturgy of the Word. And there are a couple of things that I think, at least for me, that stand out in this. And the first one maybe is that this is the only book of the Bible that is included in every single Mass, which, I mean, that really stands out. Even, even with the Gospels, you've got four books, and then with any of the, the other readings, it's bouncing back and forth maybe between some of the letters of the New Testament or some of the writings of the Old Testament. And so you never have always pulling from one one book every single mass, except for the psalms, and maybe you can give us some insight on this.
2: Yeah, and and uh, even beyond the responsorial psalm, which we all know is um, you know takes place after after the first reading uh, at mass, uh, also the entrance antiphon, the communion antiphon, which are, are traditionally sung as as uh, as a chant piece, right? Oftentimes replaced with a hymn, but but in the the official text of of the mass, there's always these antiphons that almost, almost, uh, almost always come from the Psalms. Occasionally they come from other parts of Scripture. But um, yeah, that's how important the Psalms are for, for the celebration of Mass. And that's how important the Psalms are in the, the whole public prayer of the Church, is they're used every time we come together. And, and this is beautiful, Josh, for for a number of reasons. I think it it, it underlines what we were just talking about, the importance of the Psalms for, for our own prayer life as well. But I think it um, it helps us to pray the Psalms together as a, as a community, right. Uh, so much of our prayer as a church is, uh, I'm sorry, our prayer as Christians is personal. And rather, rather private, when we, pray, when we pray the rosary, even when we're praying it together, maybe uh, here on Relevant Radio, where we still have our own personal intentions we're bringing, we have our own personal experience and connection to God that we're we're focusing on. Well, the Psalms remind us uh, at Mass that we're, we're of one voice as a people proclaiming the the words of sacred scripture together. So they, they unite us, they bring us together, they help us to be... Um, to be one with our neighbor sitting next to us in the
0: pews. Well, and then along with that you mentioned we have the fact that the psalm is a response, responsorial psalm. And that's unique as well because outside of the passion readings that we have during Holy Week, this is the only time I can think of where in scripture we participate in the reading of scripture actively at mass. So, why is that? that we have the response part there in the Psalms where we don't really experience that with anything else. We're usually just listening or reading along with any of the other readings, including the gospel.
2: The, the Responsorial Psalm is a, is a, real, um, a real clear uh, outgrowth of the Second Vatican Council, in fact, prior to, to the, the reform of the liturgy. Uh, there would be tracts and graduals that were used as as uh, as indications of of the, the the congregation's prayer um but i think what's um what's special that the, the we call it the responsorial psalm for for several reasons, on the one hand, people respond, right, and we as a congregation respond. But also, it's because that psalm is responding to to the the reading just before it, and that's an important consideration when we when we hear the psalm proclaimed. There's a connection that the church is proposing between the first reading and the psalm that we that we sing together, um, and so so yeah, there's different layers of of what it means to to respond. Josh, on the one hand, we as a, as a congregation unite our voice together and we, we, we respond together to the prayer that, that we're doing. But on the other hand, we're also hearing how God, in, in, in the, through the words of sacred, sacred scripture, is responding to that first reading. And there's something really beautiful when we, when we remember, wait, this is not just about what am I getting out of this. This is also about the whole interplay between the scripture readings that, that we hear together and how, how the church has proposed for us to celebrate Mass.
0: Our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, as we're talking about praying through the Psalms, and how have you incorporated the Psalms into your prayer life? Maybe just on your own, maybe following through the Liturgy of the Hours, and we'll talk about that coming up in a moment too, but how have you incorporated the Psalms? Maybe you have a favorite Psalm, one that means a lot to you. Uh, What stands out about it? Why has it become such a favorite for you? 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Edward's listening to us in Chicago. Hi, Edward. You're on the air with Father Matthew Spencer.
3: Oh, hi, Father. Hi, Um, Edward. I I, uh, understand the importance of the Psalms 100%, and I just had a different uh, twist on something that uh, I recently went to confession, and it was... To me, it was a a routine confession. And afterwards, the uh, priest for my penance told me to review Psalm 50. And I was Mm -hmm. pretty pleased. And I thought, wow, that's that's a nice penance. When I got home and when I read Psalm 50, I was kind of shocked. I was kind of surprised. And not that I'm angry and not that I'm complaining, but it just seemed pretty harsh. And, you know, like I said, I didn't want to twist your, your, your show on the Psalms, but, you know, in, in that particular Psalm, it mentioned that uh, I will tear you into pieces and I will, you know, be very angry. And I thought maybe, you know, that that's kind of the opposite. I thought what penance was supposed to be. And, you know, I just kind of have been munching over that uh, for a little while. So I just wanted to share that thought or comment. Yeah. That, that, that's that's what I wanted to say.
2: Sure. Well, um, well, thank you, Edward, for for the perspective. Um, yeah, I have a few thoughts actually. So, whenever whenever a psalm is recommended to us, uh, and this is not, I'm not saying that this is the case in in your position, Edward. But uh, one thing to keep in mind is that the numbering. Of the Psalms can be different between depending on what translation of the Bible that, that you're using. So somebody might say, "Well, I want you to go home and read Psalm 79." In one translation, it's it's uh, the, the the Psalm right before it, <laughs> and uh, so you have to you have to kind of make sure that you're you're looking at the same reference that that priest did. But let's let's say Psalm 50 is a very is a very common uh, Psalm. I would say that's recommended uh, as as a penance why because it's a it's a penitential psalm uh, here's here's the idea um uh Edward the idea is not to 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 just focus on the wrath of God you know it's not just to focus on on you know the the punishment that comes from from sin uh, but to help us in the contrition that that we should have uh, so when we pray the psalms, we pray it not as a not as necessarily a judgment on us but hopefully uh in uh, appreciation for how sin does affect my relationship with God, the way I would recommend Edward reading reading those penitential psalms is to to see it that God God doesn't want that for us, and God doesn't want His wrath uh, and vengeance to to be you know inflicted upon us. Uh, and yet, there's a choice that that we always have to make, right? To to trust in God's mercy or to turn away from God's plan for us. Uh, so I do, I do understand and appreciate some, some of the things we read in the Psalms are, are very strong. You know, I can, I can give you an example. Uh, one of my favorite Psalms, Edward is Psalm 139 and it's beautiful at the beginning, right? God knits us in the wombs of our mothers and before time he knew what he, what he desired of us and it describes this beautiful relationship with him. Uh, but near the end of the Psalm, there are some very strong lines, uh, God, God talks about through the psalmist talks about hatred and 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 how he will hate his enemies, and it, you read it and it's it's a little shocking, right? It's a little whoa, that's kind of strong language, but we always read it in context that this this comes from a people who who hadn't yet fully been uh, made aware of the, the merci, merciful love of God, and that that vengeance was a reminder of of our need for penance and contrition.
0: Edward, thanks for calling in, and Father, you know, maybe along those lines, too, as you're talking about, yeah, there can be some strong words or, you know, some very uh, uh, harsh language that we come across. Similarly, if, if I'm praying through and there's a psalm that I'm using in my prayer life, and it doesn't seem to be relevant to my state in life, you know, I'm not, I don't have arrows of an enemy that are coming at me, or I'm not dealing with... Uh, serious betrayal by someone close to me, you know, some of those things that we read about in the Psalms, uh, is that where I, I can take that perspective again, like you're talking about, and say, okay, I know this is dealing with somebody going through that. Is that where I... Take what I'm praying through and make it not so much that personal prayer I make it more okay somebody somewhere is dealing with this difficulty, and so I'm offering this up for those suffering right now in the church at large
2: that's exactly right Josh I mean this was kind of a a, a revelation to me when i when I first realized this as a as part of our discipline of prayer that when we come across a psalm or even a scripture reading that just doesn't doesn't connect with us, maybe, or doesn't ring true to, to our experience, and we think, well, I've, I'm, I'm in a good mood, you know, And this this psalm has a kind of a dark tone to it, maybe. Um, what we do is we, we reflect upon people who might really identify with that psalm right now. We reflect with people who might be in grave difficulty right now. And then we we place ourselves in their shoes, and we we recite those words on their behalf, pleading before the Lord for 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 enlightenment, for joy to return, for for peace to come into our hearts. It's hard to do, right? Because we we are an emotional uh, we are emotional beings, and it's sometimes hard to to put ourselves into another another place. But it is very helpful, you know. When I'm when I'm reading the Psalms, and I come across this great grief. Uh, of of somebody who experienced great loss. Well, I can I can think. Well, I'm I'm not feeling that, but you know what? I can think of those those mothers who lost their unborn child either through miscarriage or abortion, and who are who are grievously uh, suffering right now and mourning. And I can, on their behalf, plead plead before God, and and maybe through my prayer, God will also provide them some some bit of consolation.
0: Uh, Father, we've got another call from Marie, and before we go to her, um, she has a question about praying the Divine Office, um, something also known as the Liturgy of the Hours. Before we take her call, maybe you can give a little background on what the Liturgy of the Hours is for anybody who's not familiar with it.
2: Yeah, definitely. The, the Liturgy of the Hours is is the public official prayer of the Church that is recited by priests and bishops and religious and, and also other lay people uh, around the world. And the idea of the Liturgy of the Hours is that uh, around the world, uh, priests and religious and others will be praying the same prayers. In fact, the Psalms are, are the, the, the prayers, the Liturgy of the Hours is composed largely of the Psalms. Uh, but also the idea is that we pray in the morning, we pray in midday, we pray in the evening, we pray at night, we, we consecrate the whole day through through these prayers. And, um, and it's beautiful because on the one hand, we unite ourselves to to others around the world who are praying the same thing, uh, but also we, uh, we're able to consecrate the whole day to, to the Lord through through the official prayer of the church. So that's a, a summary of it. It originated um, centuries ago, right, in the discipline of the church, uh, especially coming from monastic communities who wanted to pray the Psalms continually, and now um, as an active people, we, we um pray these prayers uh, from the Liturgy of the Hours, which is uh, either a single volume or or more frequently a four-volume set that we use uh, throughout the year.
0: So if if I'm just now learning about this, where's the best place to learn more or to find this volume or or multi-volume set? Or is there some place online I can learn about it?
2: Uh, yeah, the, it's pretty daunting to try and jump into the liturgy <laughs> of the hours. Okay. It took me, Josh, and this is not an exaggeration, it took me about a month living in the seminary before... I really knew what I was doing. I was flipping through pages and it's really actually quite complex. You have books with ribbons there and you don't know different parts. You have to flip to different pages and depending on whether there's a great feast day or not, you use different prayers. So it can be it can be rather difficult to to start out. So I recommend using an app. Um I mean I I prefer praying from a book, but uh, the app, there's one called iBrievery. There's a few of them, but iBrievery is free. It has the liturgy, of the hours in a bunch of different languages. And it uses the same text and same prayers that, that those around the world are using. And it, it does everything for you in terms of compiling all the right prayers together, taking care of feast days and all of that. So you don't have to give that much thought. You just um, can open it up in the morning, choose morning prayer, and you can um, you can pray that way.
0: Well, thanks for that explanation, and so now let's go to uh, Marie, who's listening to us in Van Nuys, California. Hi, Marie. Thanks for calling into the Inner Life today.
4: Good morning. It's, um, I thank you both. It's providential that I'm listening to this reminder of the communal aspect and the act of the will to pray mindfully. I'm really struggling with the office. I, I've been praying it for years and years and but lately i'm so distracted i fall asleep i'm i'm as as you were sharing i realized that i'm getting discouraged and i'm praying it less and less so i just wanted to see what you um had to share about that
2: sure marie well it's it's a really good question i mean our our prayer lives uh there's an ebb and flow in our prayer lives right sometimes we're just don't experience a lot of distractions. Seems like we can pray well and and for long periods of time. And then there are other times where prayer is uh, is a real challenge. And and that's just part of of the normal Christian experience. So don't don't get discouraged that that's the case. And don't imagine that maybe you're backsliding or anything like that. This happens to um, to people uh, no matter their their walk and their state in life. But my I have a few thoughts for you. You know, one of the things that keeps me um, going and keeps my prayer life of the Liturgy of the Hours in the office uh, very, very focused is that I do it with other people. I live in community. We are required by my state in life and by the rule that we've accepted to pray, to come and pray the Liturgy of the Hours together at different points throughout the day. And that is... I would just be honest with you, Marie. I mean, if I didn't have a community, I wonder how faithful I'd be to the office. You know, I mean, I I am so, uh, so inspired by diocesan priests who live on their own and are praying the liturgy of the hours uh, completely, you know, uh, on their own, because it's it's challenging when we're on our own. So my first thought is, I wonder if there's somebody that you can kind of share this with. Maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a friend. Uh, maybe it's a prayer group where you can do a portion of the liturgy of the hours together. Uh, that helps, and it helps a lot. And I think uh, it it doesn't only help you; it helps those who are also sharing in in that prayer with us. Um, the The other thing I'd recommend is um, it depends on your state in life a little bit, right? If you're a religious, you can't you 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 don't shirk this responsibility. You um, you have to push through these times when it's really hard and, and difficult. Uh, but if it's not your your um if it's not a, a necessary part of your prayer life of your vocation I should say then um one thing to think about is to to make sure that you're enjoying it and valuing that aspect of prayer rather than allowing it to become just an obligation just something to get through there there's a real danger there right when when my prayer life just becomes something that I'm I just feel like I have to do and I feel bad about myself if I don't do it then um then a lot of the focus of my prayer is is going to be this underlying resentment or frustration with having to do this prayer in the first place so this is, um, I, I say this very carefully and cautiously, Marie, and I, I don't want to provide this as as a, as a recommendation universally, but sometimes when prayer becomes difficult, we have to look and examine, well, am I doing this prayer right? Do I need to take a breather from from how I'm doing this prayer so that I can rediscover the joy and the purpose of this prayer and then throw myself back into it? Back into it. I'm not saying stop completely. I'm not saying just uh, give it up. I'm just saying that um, somehow you have to rekindle within you that that love for for this prayer of the church.
0: Mm. Marie, thanks for your call, and I hope that helps. And if uh, you're listening and you'd like to call into the program, 888 914 9149, 914 9149 is our phone number. How have you incorporated the Psalms into your prayer life? And do you have a psalm that really has spoken to you, maybe a favorite psalm? And why is that your favorite? How has it helped you in your spiritual journey, in drawing closer to Christ? Our studio line, again, 888-914-9149, 9149 And we'll continue taking your phone calls and our conversation with Father Matthew Spencer in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Is I nine? El-Heharim Me'ayin
2: Yav-O Ezri Ezri Me'im Adonai O'seshamaim Vah-O El yatain la motrag leka El yanum shom reka E ne lo yanum shan Shomer
0: Israel So that is Psalm 121, and it's sung in the original Hebrew, and I had come across that maybe 25 years ago or so, and that is, it's very possible that same tune, those same words were sung by Jesus himself when he was a boy in the temple uh, singing and using the Psalms there. Uh, it says, I raise my eyes toward the mountains from whence shall come my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker Of heaven and earth, he will not allow your foot to slip or your guardian to sleep. Behold, the guardian of Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your guardian, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. A beautiful psalm again, Psalm 121. And uh, today we are talking about incorporating the psalms into our prayer life. I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director, Father Matthew Spencer, and our studio line 888-914-9149. And the first time I came across that recording, Father, and thought, oh man, I could be listening to the exact tune and words that Jesus himself might have sung. Mm. Uh, just it, it kind of brought that psalm alive for me.
2: I, to me, this is such an important point that we haven't, haven't even really mentioned directly, Josh, that the psalms are are our songs right they're hymns and we recite them and sometimes at mass even we we're not we're not able to sing them or or we don't have a cantor maybe so we recite them and the words are beautiful of course and and full of meaning and and, and richness but but I think it's it's so important to remember that these are are meant to be sung. I mean, it's why uh, monks and nuns in monasteries around the world will will spend hours every day praying the liturgy of the hours, but singing it, right? Chanting the psalms because by by incorporating the text of the psalms with. The, the gift of music and song that God has given us, we, we cry all the more fervently to the Lord. And it also, it pierces the heart more, doesn't it? I mean, just listening to that, that rendition of the psalm um, is, uh, is just, just drives home a point. Even if you can't understand the original Hebrew, you, you can hear the, the yearning and the longing and the, the expressiveness of the, of the person.
0: Father Matthew, let's go back to the phones. We've got Lucy, who is listening in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for calling into the Inner Life today.
4: Oh, hello, hello. How are you doing? This is God bless you. I'm so excited, and i got to tell you, I love Lucas. He is so good. Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you. Yeah, Hi, you're on the air. <laughs> oh,
4: and Father, Father Spencer, I love you, and Josh, your show is just amazing. And i got to tell you about my songs. Years ago, a friend of my mother-in-law's, uh, she wasn't cat. She isn't Catholic, and she told me about this. I mean, this is probably like maybe 30 years ago. Anyway, there's 150 psalms, and you need five a day. Okay, Mm -hmm. today is the 21st of the month, so you don't have to start on the first of the month. So if you Mm -hmm. just come in there and say, oh, I haven't read the Psalms in a week or two, you go to 5 times 21, 5 times 1 is 5, 5 times 2 is 10, that's 105. Now you have to go backwards, otherwise you'll end up with 155 Psalms. Sounds complicated, extremely easy, and I go through all my Bibles that I've got all over the place and in the car, and I mark them, like Psalm 1 would be for through Psalm 5 would be number one, because you read that. Perfect, so today, yeah. so today would be 101, because so, you go back from 105. So 105, sure. 104, 103, 102, 101, and you read them. And it's if you ever do the whole thing, like I've done it for years, you end up reading the whole book of Psalms. And once Amen. you start in it, it's food. It just feeds your soul. And you start to sing them. You sing them just in a chant, just like you did in the Hebrew that I just heard. So anyway, it's, it's Lucy, amazing, and I love
2: it. That is awesome, Lucy. I'm so grateful that you called, because although we, we have the Liturgy of the Hours, this rather complex form of prayer that, that does go through the book of the Psalms in, in the course of the year, what you're describing is, is a perfect way to, to do that. And I don't know if all of our listeners followed along with your math, although I love your mathematical mind there, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty easy, right? Five Psalms a day in a month, you can get through, through the whole Psalter and you can, you can actually experience, you know, all of the different expressions of, of the prayers of the Psalmist that way. So thanks so much, Lucy. Appreciate the call.
0: Yeah. Great to have you on the program, Lucy. And, uh, you know, father, one of the things that you kind of hit on a little bit, we get to know Jesus a little bit more. And as we're praying through the Psalms, We might come across different phrases, different words that are familiar to us because of the life of Christ, because of something we've read in the New Testament. Maybe one of the most familiar, Psalm 22, it has those words that Jesus cries from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken or why have you abandoned me? And when we come across these sorts of lines in the Psalms, we kind of get that glimpse of Jesus. And with so many of the psalms being written by David himself, and he represents that kingdom that Jesus will eventually and perfectly fulfill, how how should we approach the psalms so that we do get to know Christ even better than we, than we already do?
2: Yes. This is a, a wonderful point of consideration here, because uh, you mentioned those words that Jesus cried out uh, f- from the cross, Psalm 22. But if you read that whole psalm, You'll see a lot of different allusions to to the passion of Christ, uh, about him being mocked, about his bones being out of joint and hanging uh, from him hanging on the cross, about his thirst, right? About gambling for his garments. Um, So, it's really incredible. You read the Psalms and you see not only not only a representation of the past and of King David and what happened in the temple. All of that is true and it's present there, but you also see this foreshadowing, this typology, this prophetic witness to to the presence uh, or to the life and person of Jesus Christ. Uh, not only his passion, I should say, though, um, although his passion is very evident in, in the Psalms, we also see the, uh, the the parallels between Jesus and King David, just as David was beloved by God and chosen to be the ruler of his people. God, the Father, of course, is the most beloved Son of our Father in heaven and was chosen to be the King of the universe. Um and we see these these really important parallels that help us to understand who Christ is. And I think I think I can, you know, going back to what you and I were talking about just a few moments ago, Josh, when we when we read something that might be difficult to understand in the Psalms, we do think about about other people, but let's also not forget to think about Christ himself and to think about his plan for the church, because sometimes when we're reading the Psalms, we are reading about Jesus Christ, right? We're reading about a, a, a foreshadowing of his life here on earth and, and, a, and a prophecy about what he is to do for the world, both both in mercy and also in judgment. And we take that, we take that seriously. And we, we, when we pray the Psalms together, we, we not only use take the words as our own, but we recognize that these also are words that
0: oftentimes
2: would come from the
0: mouth of Jesus. Father, uh, we've got Gene who's listening to us in Miami Hi Gene thanks for calling into the inner life you're on the air with Father Matthew Yes I am Okay, did you have a question?
3: My question is uh, when you're reading uh, a lot of Psalms written uh, by uh, King David and they're talking about uh, like uh, talking about uh, his enemies they're talking about about revenge things like that and as Christian uh, Jesus Taught us how to love, how to la- love our enemies. My question is: As a Christian, can we can we still keep using those songs?
2: Hmm. Very good question, Gene. This is a very good question that I think goes to the whole the whole question of interpretation of Scripture. Uh, because if we were just to pick out what what is culturally appropriate now. Uh, and I use those words kind of tongue in cheek, but uh we know how many times there are, you know, cultural conversations about things that should be appropriate or politically correct. If we if the criteria was what is appropriate now for our ears or even after the revelation of Jesus, then we would we would say, Well, I guess a bunch of these scriptural texts we can't use anymore because they talk about maybe vengeance or retribution or or wrath or things like this. But Gene, the, the the key to, to understanding sacred scripture is to remember we can never separate it from its context. We can we never take a piece of scripture out of its context. Uh, we always have to read that scripture within the context, both within the, the textual context, that is to say what uh, words come before it and what words come after, but also in the cultural context. And we do that in order to understand it. So you're right, some Psalms will will talk about uh, revenge and, and uh, judgment in a way that seems, well, it's, it m- might sting the Christian ears. But we read that realizing that, first of all, these were written in a particular cultural context where the, the mercy of God hadn't been completely revealed and understood yet. But we don't just discard those words and say, well, I guess it's not appropriate for my time. What we say is we say, well, what can I still gain from this? What, are, what can I still learn from these ideas that God really is jealous for me? God really does want my salvation.
0: Gene, thanks for the great question. And uh, sorry to all those who are holding and we can't get to your questions. We're just out of time here. Uh, Father Matthew, in our remaining oh, 15 seconds here, could I ask you to offer a blessing to all of our listeners?
2: Heavenly Father, look upon all of those listening with great love and mercy and bless them, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen. Father Matthew, thank you so much for spending this hour with us as our spiritual director here on The Inner Life. Of course, the podcast, it'll be posted later today at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned, we have Mass coming up next. Father Daniel Schuster is the celebrant and look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. Have a wonderful day.
3: My anxiety is what led me to start going to daily mass. Gary Zimick, Relevant Radio has been a lifeline to me. When I'm struggling, when I am anxious, I get to hear the truth. I get to be lifted up.
1: Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.